laugh at this next part. In a world of political correctness and cancel culture, two comedians have risen up to prove that with the right angle, anything can be funny. This is You Can't Laugh at That. Who writes these? Huh? You should have this person locked up and looked at. Live from Golden Ox Studios in Cleveland, Ohio, it's Steve Mers and David Horning on this week's episode. My big tip for people who want to address things in comedy is like, don't just come up with the line in the joke. Know the topic so well that if a, a, if someone is giving going to heckle you, you have fifty comebacks mm-hmm. for it. And yeah. most of that joke came from me defending that bit on stage. Was it was like. Um, it started with gay and then someone went well God hates gays and I went really? God hates gay? God, well, then why are they still coming? Why are we still making you don't you literally you can end Italian people if all if all Italy blows up and all the Italian people die there's no more Italians if gay if you kill all the gays gays still keep coming you know it's like they're they're in their God is still making them dude so like what are you talking about? Hey, this is David from You Can't Laugh at That. Hey, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast and if you found value in any of the episodes or if you've laughed even once, consider joining our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash you can't laugh pod. Now, these conversations we have with all these awesome comedians typically last about two hours. So there's so much footage we have to cut from every single episode and we hate that we have to cut it. And we don't want it to disappear into the ether, which is why we edit it together into exclusive clips. Some episodes, they're 15 minutes, a half hour of extra footage. Other episodes, it's a little bit shorter. Either way, if you enjoy listening to You Can't Laugh at That, join our Patreon for exclusive access. And thanks for listening to our podcast and supporting comedy, because no matter how weird times get, Remember that you can laugh at that. Welcome to You Can't Laugh at That, the podcast where we take topics you can't laugh at and we find ways to laugh at them in the never-ending quest to prove that anything can be funny. Today, Steve Mers, my loyal and uh, exuberant co-host, is joining me from the uh, the psychiatrist's couch. Steve. Hello, future David, pretending to be earlier David. This is something that we did at the beginning of the podcast and not at the end of the recording. Just want to reiterate that. Uh, joining us today from New York City, uh, he's been on America's Got Talent, True TV, Gotham Comedy Live. You can hear him on Sirius XM and the, the Rad Dude cast with Anthony DeVito and Brendan Ayer. And uh, he's got an album that you can find anywhere where you can find comedy albums, right? Uh, yeah, anywhere. The amazing Greg Stone, and uh, that is the name of our guest. Greg, what's going on, man? Hey, thanks for having me. Look, before we get into this, do not let me talk about ADD, pedophilia, or religion. Whatever we do, I don't want to get into any of those two <laughs> topics. Uh, so just um, before we get just before we get into, don't let me talk about that. I'd rather not. Yeah, those topics are actually banned on this podcast. So <laughs> yeah, it's funny to do the when you do the intro after the after the podcast. Right. <laughs> be like, oh man, fun. it's like well, I know how this is going to go. Uh, <laughs> hey, I'll just let you guys know I had a really great talk, so you're you're in for a fun one. We already did it, so yeah. it's great. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. We did this. It's been like two hours, so that's 
we tell the comics, hey, have the two hour window set aside just in case we fall down a rabbit hole. And that is what happened. So enjoy <laughs> this this episode of You Can't Laugh at That. You can't laugh at that. Today we're talking about uh, homophobia. Oh, great. And, uh, you know, the whole purpose of the podcast is to take topics that, that comedians have made funny that in like regular everyday situations, people will be like, no, you can't laugh at that. That's not funny. You can't, you know. Yeah. And uh, just to prove that kind of going back to what I was talking about, about humor in the workplace, like you can laugh at anything right? if you use the right, like the right perspective, the right delivery, the right intent, um, anything is funny. And so we kind of dive into the psychology behind that, um, the the art and science of stand-up, essentially. Can I give you my rules for that? Yeah, let's for go. Everything? My first, my rules for comedy, whenever I have like young comedian, young Padwans underneath me, I always say I'm like... Uh, Original and funny, my only rules for comedy. You can talk about anything. If it's original and it's funny, it doesn't matter, right? It's like this idea that you can't talk about things. I, well, you guys are all, we're, you're all in Cleveland, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I graduated high school. Um, my first day in college was 9-11. Um, not 9-11, it was like, you know, 9, not the first day, but I was in college when 9-11 happened. And I'm right outside of New York City. So I watched the towers go down with my own eyes, right? Everyone got weird. New York was weird. It was crazy, right? And not until Gilbert Godfrey made that first 9-11 joke, and I remember it specifically, did I breathe and go, oh, like we can make jokes about this now. And the way I always felt about that is, you know, for me, uh, and I worked in an emergency room with doctors who, you know, children who were coming in burned to death by abused dads, you'd see them and they would do these jokes. They would go, you laugh or you cry. And that is some people's way of healing. So I attack a lot of that stuff because that's how I deal with it. When 9-11 happened, that's how we kind of dealt with it. And if you don't deal with it that way, that's 100% okay. But don't take away other people's way, ways of healing. You know, it's like it's like a plate of, it's like a, it's if someone gives you a steak with mushrooms. You don't like mushrooms, don't eat the mushrooms. But don't go to the fucking restaurant and be like, you can't serve mushrooms anymore. You know what I mean? But well, sure. What if people of- are throwing mushrooms at everybody? Because that's kind of how the jokes work. You're just going around like, here's some mushrooms. I know you don't like them. <laughs> right. Um, but that's exactly the point too of like, yeah, there are people out there being like, well, they're giving you poison mushrooms. And it's like, yeah, yeah sure. Th- don't talk to those people. But if you have a trusted comedian, that, and that's why comedy is about trust. It's about like, I love this guy. I trust him. And that, you know, sorry, I, I am heavily caffeinated right now and I do have ADD, but that was kind of the thing that happened <laughs> with Louis C.K., that like when that stuff kind of went down, it did kind of lose a little bit of people's trust for him. And so when you lose that trust a little bit, it's harder to, uh, it's harder to, you know, go along with them. So yeah. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a balance. So it's like, take your, you know, take your comedian and trust them. If they say fucked up things, be like, you've said a million things before that I loved. And so I'm not just going to fucking fault you for the one thing you said at an open mic. Oh my God, I got to stop talking. But that's just how I feel. I can feel myself screaming right now. But uh, yeah, like it's like, don't take away my, don't take away my method of healing. Even if it doesn't work for you, that's okay. Just put it to the side. Don't say yeah, the restaurant a, can't serve it. There's like a whole difference between like, okay, I have my rights to do whatever I want. Like, you know, my right to make a 9-11 joke. But then right. you've got people that are like, but then there's like, are you, are you, you're subject to criticism. It's not, there's nothing illegal about you no. know making a 9-11 joke. And they're they're perfectly entitled to be like, hey, I don't like that. Okay, cool. Now moving on. <laughs> like, right. That's just that simple. But that's how comedy works. If a joke doesn't work with enough people, a good comedian will no longer do that joke. That's just yeah. how comedy, that's just how comedy works. No good comedian, no comedian who's making money does material that just bombs for an entire hour, unless we've seen those hours. 
they're just people who just did, uh, you know, but you get what I'm saying, aside yeah. from those shitty hours that we've seen that people do that aren't yeah. great. And every good comedian will do jokes that work. And if they don't work, you you just weed them out. You know what I mean? It's like, so it, it's, it's fine. But just don't tell me that you heard one line I said that you didn't like. And now you're like, you shouldn't be working. And it's like, yeah, because I've done, yeah. dude, just to get into that, I, I told a story uh, about, uh, I used to work in an ER and I told you that I had a patient come in who, this is a long story short, they were going to hospice, but there was no room for them in hospice. So they had to stay in the ER where I was working. I'm talking to this guy for a bunch of days. No family comes to see him, goes up to hospice, ends up telling me that he is a, essentially been attracted to children his entire life. And that he had never done anything about it. That it was just like, this is why his family's not here. He, t- he told his mom, his mom used to, um, he used to talk to his mom about it. And his mom was like, we will get through this. This is what you, his mom dies of cancer. He tells his dad because he needs the help. His dad breaks his nose, tells the family, they exile him. He moves to Patterson, New Jersey, and essentially just kept himself from doing anything his whole life. So this is just this wild fucking thing that happens that I, I'm talking to this guy about. And I t- would tell that story on stage, but I would do it in a funny way. That's That was just a very serious, sad story because he died of lung cancer. It's all fucking crazy. But I tell that story and I've had multiple people after come come up to me and be like, you can't talk about pedophiles. You're making this guy to look like a hero. And I'm like, he is a hero. By all extents, he did nothing wrong. He just had a brain problem or a thing that literally he never acted on as to what he would tell me. So it's like, don't tell me that I can't talk about this. And the idea that I'm not talking about it is, is keeping people from understanding that that could be a reality that people are living in. Right. I kind of lost where I'm going with this whole thing. No, that's I totally true. I totally agree with that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like this whole thing of like, just cause you hear a word, you can't be like, shut it, shut it off. Like I can't do that. You're talking, you're, you're talking about pedophilia and it's bad. It's like, no, you're we're comedians are supposed to talk about things that other people aren't comfortable talking about because we do it in a funny way, which makes it easier. We are sugar on the medicine. That's what we are. So like, let us be sugar on the medicine. Now, anyone can be a comedian. So a lot of people are just trying to shove rocks in people's mouths, but I don't count Hmm. them. So a lot of like people are counting these comedians who aren't necessarily good or they just got famous fast or whatever. But it's like a good comedian is sugar on the medicine. So like, let us be sugar on the fucking medicine. Did you ask for this? Look, you have me on. I don't stop talking. That's just who I am. ADD baby. It's okay. yeah, it's, no, it's all right, man. <laughs> but it's good stuff. I mean, I'm not going to stop you, you know, if, if no, you're, you're making s- a good point. And I think it, it kind of ties into what we're talking about today. I mean, just, you know, the idea of like, that's nobody would choose that. Like, he wasn't no like, hey, dad, I decided I want to be a pedophile. Like, that's not right. how that works. It's, you know, that's chemical imbalances. It's things that we didn't have an understanding of that the more and more we do research, the more and more we see cases like this, we can kind of, you know, we can not necessarily diagnose it, but you know, we realize that it's something that that's, it's an imbalance in the brain. Right. But that couldn't do anything about it other than not fuck kids. But everything is an imbalance in the brain in the reality. Right. Mm-hmm. But it's what we can use in society. Right. So like gay, you can say is an imbalance in the brain, right? It's just you're more chemicals going towards another thing, but in society, it doesn't fucking matter. Have sex with men, be in love with men. It's a great thing. No one is being harmed, right? There, and this is a great example, not a great example. And also, I'm not a doctor. So again, uh, <laughs> yeah, just I, full disclosure. Full this is disclosure. Not- <laughs> uh, you know, but you look at transgender, right? And transgender people, 
Um, they believe uh, that they believe, but like they inside of them, like I am truly a man, right? So they have a surgery to make them a man, right? There are also people who believe that below, like there is a case of, I forgot what the name of the uh, brain ailment is, is that they want to have below their knees removed. They don't believe their feet are their own. And they, and they, there's cases of them going to crazy countries that allow them to have this, that removed. And it comes out that they're happier once their legs have been removed. Now, one, you'd look at as you go, well, transgender is a beautiful thing. We're getting these people happy. That's great. And the other, you're like, no, that's a mental disease. I don't think any of them are mental diseases. I think all of them are, our brains just are calibrated different. And whatever- Natural variation. Natural variations. You cross the line. I just want to be clear on those things of like, we, we have this like weird thing of putting things in disabilities and not disabilities, but disabilities, all they really are is social constructs of how it mm. fits into us is how do the disabilities fit in a social construct and compared to the average person. Right. Compa- yes. <laughs> right. right. Compartmentalization is makes things easy yeah. for to us sound, to understand. Yeah. But to sound very weird and shitty, we live in a society for the best that says you should not have sex with children. Great. So the people with that chemical makeup are, is, is, uh, you know, they're fucked. You know what I mean? Ostracized. Ostracized. So we would need to do that because there'd be hurt. And like sociopaths who kill people, you know, Dexter type people, their chemical imbalance is like, I feel nothing when I murder. Well, guess what? If you lived in the King's age, when we needed a knight who could just slaughter a bunch of like Saxons coming to take us, you'd have been a king. You know, if we live in the age in the future where giant alien children came to kill us and the only way to kill them was to rape them, the pedophiles would be kings. You understand that way they just don't live in the right time. That was a joke that hopefully you let it out of this. Who the hell knows? I don't know if that hand, but I don't know if that makes sense. You don't have to edit that out. I'm just kidding. I don't really care about any of this. But does that make sense what I'm saying or do I just sound like a crazy person? No, I totally agree. Pedophiles are cool. I may not endorse the idea that pedophiles had a a great place in history. (laughs) No, in the future. I'm saying they may have one in the future when all of the children are bad. Uh, yeah. But I don't know if that'll ever happen. Aside from the Renaissance, yes. <laughs> uh, but but the uh, I'm a Renaissance man. <laughs> okay, laughing. We search for instant connection. So sports, religion, like you know, we that that's what humans. That's how humans behave. Like we, you know, we we're in a room full of strangers. We got to find the one thing we have in common. Otherwise, we're going to be you know off in the corner, shunned from the group. Uh, that's why I love talking to comedians because we don't we don't look at things like you know. Uh, um, labeling something as being evil and then that's just it that person's evil no there's so much more to it there's more nuance we want to like you you know we question the surface value of it and uh, we can have a conversation with comics whether you're from you know seattle or new york or atlanta or cleveland or or the uk and and talk about topics on this level uh because you know we we share that that like no there's more to it than what what's on the outside dude and do you know what a lot of that comes from I learned this as well. A lot of, so when I was talking to this doctor about ADD, he was like the most comedians have ADD. He goes, just going to let you know that. And he goes, because one of the major, uh, major things about ADD is curiosity. It's this ever, this constant questioning and looking. And, and that I think is what a lot of comedians have in common is we, we're constantly questioning everything. Um, and I hate that this happened to me, but I was, I was raised a Catholic and I became an atheist in about eighth grade. Uh, I remember how, I don't know if you guys went through a religious break um, same uh, time for me yeah right where you just yeah. can't yeah. took me a little longer but I, I hear yeah for me it was um just religion broke it down and then when religion failed i went okay that means you, you gotta question everything and it's i hate to say this but it was a uh, incubus wrote a song <laughs> called make yourself which is 
say what you want about Incubus, but this song hit me. And I went, you got to make yourself. You need to go through every bit brick in your body and inspect it and go, why is that there? And one of them became action figures, right? Like I loved action figures, but I was like, as an adult, you got to stop collecting these. And then I went, why is that? And I started realizing it, it makes me happy to collect action figures. So I said, so I'm going to fucking do the shit out of that. And I did. And then other people would, when I started doing it, it was a lot more made fun of. Now it's a little more mainstream, probably maybe just in my bubble, but they do make figures for adults now. Um, so it's like, it was a thing that it was like, I was being, I was questioning. I was like, I couldn't get a date because they would see these toys in my room. So I'd have to take them all down, <laughs> put them all back up when they would leave. That's where eighth grade really killed that for me, where I was like, <laughs> no more. And it all went away. No more Star Wars. Too soon. There is no such thing as right and wrong. There is just mm -hmm. what we all agree on is best for everybody. And that is going to constantly evolve and change. And you have to be okay with that, especially like now that technology is moving faster, we are moving faster as a society. So you're going to have people that have, that are like 10 years, uh, you know, for 10 years ago, did a lot of horrible shit that may, may not necessarily have known was as horrible um, as they do now, as technology moves faster and faster. I right. think, I, I don't know. Right. It changes. <laughs> I mean, you can look at that, uh, the, that, the, uh, the Christopher Columbus example, like, 20, 30 years ago, we were like, Columbus Day, he discovered America. And there right. were a few people that were like, hey, this guy wasn't great. And now it shifted. Yeah. And then we look mm -hmm. at the people who refuse to let go of Columbus and we're like, well, you're a racist. It's like, no, that's a 50-year-old man. Like, you got to understand, like, there's, there is a part of society that is going to take a little bit longer to catch up on some of this stuff. Right. And then there's part of my society that I'm like, I don't give a shit about Christopher Columbus. I yeah. never did. He discovered America. Great. That's a privilege. Someone allowed him to get on a boat and do a thing. We would have eventually got there anyway. It's like, it's like, I don't know. This could be really wrong. But it is something that kind of sticks in my head <laughs> is that like mm -hmm. race is just the first thing you can grab because it's the most obvious mm -hmm. connecting factor, right? But you get six comedians in a room they're going to bond way more than six people of the same race, right? So if I go into a room with a black guy, Native American, an Indian dude, and we're all comedians, we're going to go to the buffet together. If you get me in a room with six Italians, it's just going to be like, yeah, I don't know. I can't fucking, but society will go put the Italians over there. Italians do this. And it's like, mm -hmm. but you can't quantify the comedians or the kind people or the empathetic you can't quantify it. It's not easy to see. You have to do investigations to find them. So like, I don't know if that kind of hits what I'm, if, I don't know if that's landing or making no, any right. sense. Yeah, I totally agree with that. It's just like, it's an impossible thing to quantify groups because it's a, you kind of have to take a test to see where people land on those. Yeah, it's easy. And and the, the tide of history has yeah. to go the other way where we're, it's not even a, a thing anymore. Eventually, right. uh, we've, we've got to get through a lot of shit first. Uh, I always go back to just, we do the best with what we know. And, you know, so for some people that means, you know, oh, this person isn't like me, but I have to get rid of them. And that's like, that's how they came up. That's how they know that's, that's their level of education. And they don't want to see any, anything beyond that. So I think, um, you know, ostracizing somebody for doing the best with what they know, um, there's that. And then there's also, and then you can ostracize somebody for refusing to, learn more. I think that's more appropriate than like, um, you know, looking back in history or looking at somebody's old tweets and being like, Hey, you know, that's wrong. We're going to punish you now for that. Like if you've obviously not learned punish them for that. Sure. Well, but 
you should grow, you know, you shouldn't punish the iPhone one for not having a front facing camera. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was the first iPhone. So you grow and you learn and like to have learned is a privilege because you are allowed to have something in your life that set you on that path. You know what I mean? And even if someone, even to what you're saying with someone being like, well, they're refusing to learn. It's like, no, 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 no. They're still not. There's something that still hasn't gotten to them yet that allowed them to grow. Look at an alcoholic, right? You need rock bottom before you start to get sober. So some of these people need that, whatever rock bottom it is before it hits them that allows them to go, oh no, that makes now, that makes sense now. Like right now, I, though I will be honest and I'll be completely, um, I don't mind being vulnerable uh, and saying things that I'm wrong about, but where I have a hard time is uh, gender fluidity as like a concept. And there's like a bunch of things I can get in there about. So I just keep diving into learning about like he and she, like male versus female. Like to me, it still doesn't like gay transgender. All of that makes a ton of sense to me. But this idea of like, you want to be known as not he or she is a concept that I'm struggling with of like, I got to figure that. And I don't, we can get into that if you want, but I don't really, it's not like a thing I care about, but I just haven't, I may look back on this in 10 years and go, yeah, Greg, you just didn't get it yet. Or I might look back in 10 years and go, yeah, they were all fucking crazy. I don't know. I'm not saying I'm not, I'm just being trying to be yeah. funny. But the reality yeah. is, it's like, I'm looking at this point in my life now and seeing I, this might, I might, this might be where I'm stuck and that's okay. I'm trying to, I would never shit on someone or be mean to them because of that. But I look at those people who were like, they just don't see uh, gay as an option. It's like, ah, you're just putting dick in your ass. Fuck you. It's like, they just didn't get to the point in their life where they understood they understood or they, they couldn't get past their religious holdups or their mm -hmm. uh, sexual proclivities or any of that weird shit. Right. But I don't ostracize them. I'll just try to love them for all the other things in their life that they are good at. And they do understand, you know, you need like, maybe that guy's a construction worker and he's building great buildings. Good. I'll love you for that. And when the other stuff comes, I'll try not to support it. Uh, but I'm not going to like, you know, I, I think that that guy has a better chance to be around people who can teach him or, you know, whatever, if it's, you know, if things are true, then, then exiling these people, if that makes sense. And that's kind of how I feel about like, I'm not a Trump supporter, but like, I have a lot of Republicans in my family and I just try to have, just be around them and love them for all the other things and try to show them my point of view if, cause I believe it's right or whatever. So it's like, don't ostracize people. It's not a good, it's not a good look. Um, Right. I think you it's better to bring people in than to push them aside. Yeah, you can't force people. That's not, <laughs> you're not going to get people on your side by by ostracizing them. You, you oh. gotta you gotta connect with them first, and then you know build. It's my there. biggest problem. I'm just like you're fucking stupid. <laughs> it's so easy because <laughs> it feels so good, and it's like you're like well, you you assume that people think the way you do, where you're like because if someone called me stupid, I would try to be not as stupid. Yeah, but 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 other people do the opposite. They're like, no, I'm doubling down. Right. <laughs> no, Dude, it's bad. Cause what they know, what they know is they know they are not stupid. So then when you say they're stupid, they go, ah, oh, well, this guy's wrong about everything. And that's yeah. my big problem with calling Trump supporters racists because most of them know they aren't, they may be doing some racist things. And a lot of that is like racial by proxy. It's like, they're just like, ah, you know, they do some things that are racist that aren't necessarily like hating people. It's just like, it's relatively benign. Relative. Right. Or like, you, you know, like they push, even if it's like congressional, it's like, ah, it's like, I think that some laws aren't, you know, whatever. I don't want to get into that whole shit, but mm -hmm. it's like by calling them racist, they know they're not racist. So then they go, you think 
we're all racist. So if you're wrong about that, what else are you wrong about? And then nothing else you say will ever get through to them. When you start mm-hmm. looking at people and treating them different, you don't give them the opportunity to beat your expectations. And then they people also say, well, if you think this way about me, then maybe I am this way, which as a guy with ADD, I go, you think I'm retarded? Well, then maybe I am retarded. And then I start not believing in myself. So it's like, yes, some of these stereotypes do work to an extent, but when you start treating those stereotypes, a lot of that way, you'll end up, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. And um, the science backs that up too. Uh, you know, there's, there've been plenty of experiments like uh, uh, they did an experiment. I think it was, uh, I think it was in the sixties where they gave uh, elementary school children a test, right? And then, uh, you know, they took the test and then they just, they didn't even look at the results, but they told the teachers, they just picked uh, 20% of the kids and said, those are the kids that did great on this test. They have the most potential, randomly chose the kids. And then, uh, so the teachers uh, behaved differently around those kids and they they had uh, higher intelligence gains than uh, than the kids that they didn't, treat that way because they expected something different of the kids. So they behaved differently. They felt differently. They spoke to them differently. They gave them more, uh, more honest and open feedback. They gave, um, they, they like gave them more responsibility because they believed in them. So these kids started believing in themselves because that's like, so it, it's, that's how IQ tests work too. Yeah. With kids in confidence where we don't, we understand so little about psychology and how much we can influence people based on like placebo, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of psychology, not in medicine, but like, it's just weird how that happens. I thought I was stupid growing up when I was a kid, but then they like so it had a psychological evaluation on me a couple of times in elementary school and they found out I was actually really smart. And then <laughs> then the rest of my life. No, actually I didn't know that at the time. My parents told me in my like seventh or eighth grade. And that's when I started not caring more about my own intellect rather than not caring about anything. And then I started doing better at almost everything. It was weird. It just had a yeah. profound effect on me. The same thing happened in comedy with me where I was like, I didn't, I was like, well, I don't have a lot of followers, so I'm not good. And then I would just be like, I'd go on stage and I'd bomb a little bit more. And then once I got a writing job because someone believed in me, I started killing on stage, but it was a two day difference, but it was just the confidence. You need that confidence to believe. And what I say to every comedian is you need to look for those confidence builders, not in the necessarily things that you'll look like. If you're a comedian, you go, I don't have a late night credit. I don't have a half hour. I'm not good at this. And you just go, no, 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 no. Look at it in a different way. Are you right? Like a joke you wanted to figure out. Did you figure it out? Write that on your board. Did you, are other, are you getting laughs? Be scientific about it. Write down these slight goals and, and count those as wins, not the things you don't have. Every comedian is like, well, I don't have a Netflix special. I guess I suck. And it's like, <laughs> no, man, a lot of <laughs> shitty comedians have Netflix specials, but right. Think about what you can do and write those. You have to write down goals and wins. Write down your goals and try to cross them off, but then write down your wins and your wins will be so long and you will look at the goals and you'll go, ah, fuck, it doesn't match out, but I am still winning. So like, and then your goals board one day, you'll just cross everything off in one day. That's what happens in comedy. It was like, dude, my goals board from 2018 had a ton of things. I didn't cross a single thing off in three months in 2020, I hit 80% of them. It all just came, but it was like out of fucking nowhere. But if I wasn't relying on that wins board, I would have believed I wasn't good at this. And like, you have to look at that. Like, if you look at me as a comedian, you look at my Twitter followers, you look at my Instagram followers, I would go, I guess I'm not good. 
But and I'm not such I'm not an egotistical person, but I think a lot of people that I'm around respect. I think I'm a respected guy from in my circles, and it's like, why didn't I count any of that? Why didn't I count any of these like, you know, comedians that I love who've taken me on the road or have taken me on their wing? It's like it's mm-hmm. that's a it's an important thing. Uh, I'm very good at what I'm trying to tell you. No, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Steve, Steve just came out as smart, and then uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, guys, it was very difficult for me. But. <laughs> that's you uh, have to be <laughs> kind to yourself, though, in mm-hmm. this business. We're not big enough to cut ourselves down. We think we can just chop ourselves. It's like, you're not big enough to do that, dude. Allow yourself some confidence and to believe. Don't be an arrogant asshole, but know what you're good at. Know your strengths and mm-hmm. stop trying to be good at shit you're not good at, right? Like, I'm not like, you know, I'm not a guy who can sit and work at a computer. Well, and stop. Write the way you write. Walk around the block. Write those things down. Stop trying to be Mr. Fucking Instagram famous. If you can be, if you could be doing something else, do that shit. Get good at that shit because that's what you have fun doing. It's going to be way easier for you in life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, that's that's something that we we tend to forget very easily. I mean, you focus on all the things that aren't working when you know <laughs> you've gotten to where you are. Like you've gotten through all the things. It starts there, and then Absolutely. work from there. That's uh, so no. homophobia. <laughs> yeah, so homophobia. Laughing. <laughs> and I think uh, kind of what we talk about, just from a general overarching theme, the going back to the labels like evil or good or bad or or racist or or whatever. Um, I think that that comes with a lack of understanding and a lack of like not being willing to understand uh, what what's really going on. And uh, I think um, you know homophobia is one of those things, or, or just like you know homosexuality now is is more widely accepted least in America, then it isn't. And, right. and that's a new, that's a new development over the last couple of decades. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, we've got to point out the things that are wrong, not in a way like you have the, the bit from your album. I mean, you have like three straight tracks on your album about it. Um, the amazing Greg Stone, definitely check it out. It's, it's a great listen. It's like 45 minutes. It's yeah. It, I, I really enjoyed listening to, to the that's whole right. thing. Um, but I loved, and, and I thought, I listened to this and I thought, oh, we have to talk about this just because the way you weave it, like you almost, it's almost like a dissertation. Like you have your thesis and then you have all these supporting details. You have like a counter argument in there. It's a, it's a really well uh, thought out bit. So before we talk about it and you haven't, uh, as the listener, haven't listened to it, uh, I figured let's, let's play a clip from it. And, uh, and then we'll kind of talk about how it came to be and how you found it funny and how you, uh, able to to connect that with uh, with the audience like gay people oh god he loves them himself. i can prove it's it so awkward he keeps making them <laughs> that's the end of my argument do you know who god hates the dinosaurs why is no one talking about how much god hates the dinosaurs he threw a rock at them at a thousand miles an hour yeah, he was like, see them, you're out of here. And he skipped a stone across the universe. Now they're all dead. Yeah, God hates the dinosaurs, people from Atlantis, crystal clear Pepsi, blockbuster video, all of that. He shut it down. If God hated gay people, we would not have gay bars. No, we'd have gay museums. And that's how you would have to learn about gay people. You'd have to go into New York City. They'd take you on a tour. Like, this is Elton John. That's Liberace. There's your cousin Larry. You can get a little Tom Cruise in the gift shop. And that would be it. <laughs> he loves him. It's, it's just homophobia. And I don't understand homophobia. Okay? Because I've been in a relationship for 10 years. The one thing I know is that 
if gay was a choice, I would choose. <laughs> one thing I kind of have that. Yeah, nothing against women. I love you. You're beautiful. You're smart. You're soft. You smell good. But I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> 90% of the time. 90, 90. When I come home drunk, my girlfriend's like, are you drunk? Get in the room. Or whatever she's saying. I'm not listening. But when I come home drunk, my roommate Anthony is like, are you drunk? You want to get high and watch Star Wars? I'm like, yes! Yes, you nailed it! I don't have my coat off yet and you're crushing it. I want to fuck that. That's the dream. He's little, he's hairy, we'll eat carbs, no one will cry about it. I'll bite him on the butt, but get out of here! But I can't, because I'm straight. It sucks. Oh, that was really hard. <laughs> that's that's the, the common thing that, that I hear from comics when we play their clips. It's like, well, I, I would hope that it's hard to listen to just because like, you've grown as a performer since then. I listen to sets from like right before the pandemic and I'm like, whoa. <laughs> no, was, dude, trust me. That uh, was really good. I loved that. Yeah. Just so oh, you wow. That's just really, you. thank yeah. you. You're super Surprised funny. I needed that. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, no, you're super funny. You just, but you're hypercritical of yourself, which is good because that's what makes you funnier. And that's why you're already so funny. It pushes growth. Because I'm like the same way where I'm like super hypercritical, but people are like, no, you're funny. And then I'm like, Oh, okay. And then you realize like, oh yeah, I'm just always self-correcting and that's what makes you better. So it's good. Mm -hmm. It's uh, also weird. Uh, I Just two quick things is that last night I watched, uh, I think it's called Song Exploder. It's a Netflix show. It was a podcast where they go over music with the artists. They played uh, Stipe from REM. They played him the demo of Losing My Religion. And I, you can see him physically being like, I hate, please turn this off. I hate this. And you go, dude, that's losing my religion. That's one of the greatest songs in American history. Maybe. I don't know. I love that song. But I mean, oh, like, it is, though. You're right. But you know, it's like, you get that way too. You know, like even you, the singer from REM, can't listen to their own shit. So it was a, a little bit nice. A lot of movie stars don't watch their own films. They hate watching themselves on film, even though they're classics. Right. But right. it is something we should be doing if you want to get better, you know, to be like, you should, like, I actually think that was good for me to listen to because I, since we've been in quarantine, I forgot about the song rhythm I would do sometimes with bits, whereas what I like to do sometimes with the bits is like, I went to the store and there was this guy. Like, it becomes <laughs> almost like, I like to have fun with the words when I'm doing stand-up, where I think that when you, what I like about, mm. what I hate about everyone who's like, do a joke for a year, put it on an album, be done. You never get to really know a bit so well that you can be so intricate with the sounds that you're making. Yeah. Have fun with the sounds. And, and that I think is a part of comedy that a lot of like uh, new comics don't realize is, is, a, is, a, is a thing. It's like, yes, you wrote, like, you wrote a great bit. Well, now you need to become a great performer and you need to look at almost every syllable. It's like, how are you doing this syllable? Like, is it, yeah. is it fun? It's just another level of fun you get to have that you get to have. It's mm -hmm. like just talking is fun. Look how I'm talking now. It's fun to talk like this as opposed to being like, hey, everybody, you know, it's like a lot of comedians, <laughs> yep. like, they don't do the karaoke or the song versions of their bits, which I think is like, oh, man. You, that was the first thing I noticed about that bit I was listening to was your inflection was like super good. It was like just a roller coaster, and that's what really reels people in. And it is just, it's very, um, it, it, it pulls people in. Mm -hmm. I appreciate 
you saying that it is something I, I know I just talked about it, but I am a little self-conscious sometimes because, but I, that joke is, is old um, to the fact that when I first started doing it, just saying that I would choose to be gay on stage would turn crowds on me um, yeah. immediately. They would just, hmm. ah, you a fag. And I would get that a lot. They'd be like, nah, you just a fag trying to say, I'm like, no man. Um, and to expand on that bit, is something I've been trying to work on, which is I really do believe is that I don't believe in gay. What that means is it is a label that I understand that gay people, you should grab a label because you've been fucked. People have been fucking you and you need to grab a label and hold on to it and say, no, I am this. But the reality, I what I don't like is that when you choose a label for anything, you then feel like you need to stick to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I'm, what I'm saying to that is if I say I'm straight, if I see a man, what I say is I don't say I'm straight. I just say that I haven't yet met a man I want to have sex with. But <laughs> that might, like, I might open, walk into a room and go, I want to fuck this guy. And I should allow myself to be okay with that. And I met a lesbian who was a very good friend of mine who found a man attractive. And she was like, I don't know what to do because I'm in the gay community very strong. And if they f- hear this, they will, they will be mad. And I was straight edge for a very long time. And when you become straight edge, it becomes being a thing where it works against you in the way of your straight edge friends are like, if you break edge, you're not our friend anymore. And I I feel that way with any kind of label is it, it, all it does is then, even if you're proud of it, it doesn't allow you to leave that label or to explore and like straight pride, not straight pride, but being like, I'm straight is like, Hey man, you don't know what fun you might be missing out on. You know what I mean? Like if you eat a sandwich, you don't like, you just put something in your mouth. You didn't love, but like, yeah, I mean, maybe just sucking a dick. It might not be something you're into, but it could be just a way to spend an evening that is different than what you did yesterday, right? But a straight guy's like, no, get it out of there. It's like, yeah, that's mental. That's when you work, sorry, man, just one little tiny piece on this. But like when you work in a hospital, when I worked in an ER, the thing I didn't expect to be doing a lot was touching old man's penises. So, but you have to, you have to pick up their penis and put it in a thing so that they can pee into it or you have to hold it so they can, you know, so you have to do a lot of old man penis work. (laughs) It's just part of the job. But as a straight guy, if there's a naked man, you go, no. And it's like, damn, man, that's just more penis work. Do some penis work. You know, it's like, (laughs) you know, it's like, it, it shouldn't be negative. It should at least be zero. Let it be zero where you don't get anything from it, but don't let it be negative where it's like, ah, it's like, man, just, just tuck a day, just touch it. It's not going to hurt you. Leave <laughs> right. yourself open to it. You could just find enjoyment in this and it doesn't change who you are as a person. Well, how would you deal with, with people who, uh, who are like, Oh, it's gay. You're just gay. Like, how do you, how did you? So at first it that? was, at first I would go, maybe I am gay. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm just too crazy and, and, and this is bad. And then I started to think, no, I'm on stage. They are not. These aren't people who are big thinkers. Greg, you have to believe you're a big thinker. And even if you're wrong, you're funny. So who cares? It doesn't matter. Right and wrong doesn't matter in this situation. And then what I started doing was calling them out, right? What I ended up doing was writing a joke that um, I think it's on the album. I don't even know. Was my defense to them? And so what I would do is what I sometimes will be is like, uh, yeah, get a finger in your butt. It doesn't change who you are. And people go, no, man, that's gay. And I go, Sticking a finger in your butt, you're now now like, no, I'm attracted to you emotionally. Like that's like <laughs> gay isn't a sexual act. Gay is being attracted to the same sex emotionally and wanting to spend time and want to make love to that person. Sticking a piece of plastic in your butthole 
doesn't change that outlook. So stop being afraid of it. You know what I mean? So it's like, so then I started calling those people out and being like, yo, why are you so afraid of being gay? What do you, what do you think's going to happen if you have, it's like, you know, if you, cause, and here's the, the joke that I would do to these people is I would say, if you were, you don't like Dick because you're not gay. So if you put a, it's not like you're going to become gay and now you're like, oh, I hate all these dicks, but I got to suck them because I'm gay. No, the minute you're gay, you're like, give me all the dicks. I love the dicks. So stop yeah. being afraid of being gay because when you are, it's going to be great for you. Right. The and truth like, will set you free. Really? And, and I hate the thing of people who go, if they're homophobic, they probably are just equally gay. Because the reality is, yes, sure, that is happening sometimes. But they're, dude, it would always happen in, uh, you know, I was raised in like Newark, New Jersey, which was a very like, I hate to say ghetto, but that's the word it was. You know, it's like we were poor people and being gay, you were looked down upon as being weak. And so in a lot of people's minds growing up, that gay meant weak, right? And so addressing that with those people was huge. It was like, gay doesn't make you weak. There's a lot of gay people in prison who, uh, you know, are there for doing not weak things, uh, murdering people and shit like that. So it's like, it's like none of that shit makes you addressing those type of things with those people. A lot of myths about masculinity. Mm-hmm. About, and the irony of people being like very insecure about uh, homosexuality. So it's like, no, you're being weak right now. 1,000% yeah. true. Yeah. That is a weakness because once you start accepting that stuff, it makes you stronger. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all of the things that we, and that's when I learned about comedy. It was huge. The things you're ashamed of in the world are what make you strong in comedy, right? What, yeah. what I was ashamed of was my ADD. But being an ADD guy, speaking a million miles an hour, uh, that's what makes me funny. Having those thoughts is what makes me strong. Being ADD makes me quick on my feet. All of the things you're afraid to talk about, all of the things that you're like, this is, is what makes me, uh, this is what I'm scared of, are the things you need to grab on and show the world. Because those people are just too scared to talk about it and you accepting it is what will make you different. And what makes you different is what makes a good comic uh, is, is being a snowflake. We're all snowflakes, brother. Yeah. And that, I mean, you prove it with this bit too. I mean, you take a different angle than most comics do. I mean, you've, we've, you've already covered for, covered a couple of them. Like, Oh, if you're homophobic, that means you are gay. You're just covering it up or, you yeah. know, Oh, you gotta be this macho guy. Like maybe you'll like it. Um, but you take the angle, sorry, go ahead. No, you take the angle of like, well, I would choose that if it were a choice, I would choose that. And, uh, and, and then the, the God thing, like God doesn't hate gay people, but here's something that he does hate. And here are my supporting details as to why. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You, you lean into that vulnerability of like, I would choose it. And then, uh, and then you make your, your follow up points, which is the the real, the real line in that thing was the numbers that which I say is like bisexual is clearly the best option, right? You can get both, you know, and it's, you know, I, I say the joke, but it's like you go into a buffet and if you don't eat meat, you get less options. If you walk into a party and you can't fuck half of the people in there, that's less people to fuck. And I love to fuck. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, that's okay. just like, why would we look down on people who are clearly super powered? They can put any of those things in their mouth. And it's like, that's okay. a great thing. Now I'm just doing the bit kind of, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like it's, it was uh, gay was a, such an easy thing to shut down on stage as being like, that was like, I was almost like this bit is almost too easy. because It's so clearly silly that people would be against this. 
you know? Right. Right. What made you uh, start that bit anyway? Like what, how did that like get conceived in your, in your mind? So I don't know if I do this on stage or did, but it's a story that is real. Um, I had a dream a long time ago. I was when I was working at Fridays that I had sex with, uh, it was Gary. I always say Gary Shandling because people know it, but it wasn't. It was Gary Gullman. I hope this doesn't get out. I was having sex with a woman and then it was Gary Gullman. And I was like, Greg, are you gay? You had sex with Gary Gullman in your sleep. This is when Torgasm was I would have sex too. with Gary Gullman. Yeah, dude. We all would have sex with Gary Gullman. <laughs> Jewish stallion. <laughs> so tall, so sleek. Right. Uh, <laughs> I just, I want him to, yeah, I want him to use his vocabulary. Like talk dirty to me in that vocab. Yeah. I had that dream and I told my friend Dave, I was like, dude, I think I'm gay. I had this dream. And he said, come on, come with me. We went in the bathroom. And I swear to God, he opened his pants and he showed me his dick and he went, touch it, do something with it. Grab it, jerk it, do something. And I went, ah, no. And he went, then fuck you. Table eight needs drinks. And it was <laughs> That's hilarious. So simple to me to, you get so afraid of being gay that you never address what gay really is. So you never go, Greg, are you attracted to men? And I went, well, 99% of the time I'm not. Okay, so shut the fuck up, right? So like once I realized I wasn't gay, I went, I can do anything now because this is the thing I know I'm not. And if I am, I'm okay with it. So it was this whole thing that now it gave me the, so when I went on stage with that bit, it was because I had done something that a lot of people in the crowd hasn't done, which was truly investigated my feelings, my real feelings and accepted what they would be if they were true. And when you have that real confidence in something, you can defend it. You can say anything because what people don't like, if you go on stage and you kind of don't know how you feel about something, people can poke holes and you'll go, ah, fuck, maybe you're right. But it's like, no, man, I put a dick in my face and nothing happened. So I can talk about this all day because I'm not gay. Like, yeah. I just I just know I'm not. And the reality is, I like I say this, like, it's like I'm like an alcoholic. I'm, I'm, I don't know what I'll be tomorrow. But today, I'm just yet to meet a penis that I've wanted to suck. And the reality is I'm married now too. So it's like, even if I find what I want to suck, I got to get a permission slip. She's got to sign a bunch of forms. Like I got to, I can't just suck it anymore. But I mean, if I will tell you that if my wife ever gets hit by a car or like is shot in the night by some mysterious person, I'm going to, I'm going to jerk a guy off. I'm going to do it. I just, I don't care if I'm into it or not. I'm just going to be like, Hey, you want a free hand job? <laughs> Gay friend of mine. I just want to know what this, I just want to know what will happen. I just, I'll just do it and see what happens. I've touched all kinds of old man penis. Let's yeah. bring it on. Yeah, I'm an expert. <laughs> I want to do it in a way for pleasure, not in a way that I'm sticking something into it. You know what's hilarious? Is I'm in my apartment with headphones on, so I'm just talking to the walls right now, and all my neighbors are like, what the fuck is he talking about? That's great. That's so great. And that's my big tip for people who want to address things in comedy. It's like, don't just come up with the line in the joke. Know the topic so well that if a, a, if someone is going to heckle you, you have 50 comebacks mm -hmm. for it. And yeah. most of that joke came from me defending that bit on stage. Was It was like, um, it started with gay and then someone went, well, God hates gays. And I went, really? God hates gay? Well, then why are they still coming? Why are we still making, you don't, you literally, you can end Italian people. If all, if all Italy blows up and all the Italian people die, there's no more Italians. If gay, if you kill all the gays, gays still keep coming. You know, it's like mm -hmm. they're they're in their God is still making them, dude. So like, what are you talking about? And also, someone the heckle that I did get was, well, God makes killers, God makes pedophiles, and I went, yeah, well, I don't believe in God, but 
I then went, I would believe that God loves them too. You know what I mean? Like, and then my dad, who's very Catholic said, God doesn't hate people. He hates an act. That was the thing he was trying. Like me and my dad get in a very big argument about religion. And his whole thing is like, no, God doesn't approve of gay, but he loves everyone. He just doesn't like, if you steal, he doesn't hate you. He hates that you stole. And uh, I also say God doesn't hate the act of being gay because it hurts no one and it makes no sense. It's not even in the Ten Commandments. Um, but also, God doesn't exist. So that's what it always comes down to. It's like, oh, yeah, it's just bullshit anyway. But I have to play by his rules when we have the Catholic argument. Um, but yeah, no, God doesn't. It's like God doesn't exist. And if he did, he clear, there's no evidence to support that he doesn't like gay people. So when people, one thing that people don't understand is when you do that, that, that when you plug in the idea that uh, under the assumption that God is real, people are like, well, why are you even, if you don't believe in God, then why are you? And it's like, no, I'm playing by your rules right now. Yeah. So you can at least see it under your logic. Yeah. <laughs> like, duh. I'm so good at handling a ball that I'll play basketball with you and still dunk on you. That's just kind of how I like, I'm just going to play your game and fucking jam on you in your own game. And right. so, yeah, I mean, I do that with my dad. My, my dad is like ridiculous. I'm sorry. I, when we had this conversation, mm -hmm. uh, my dad does this. I go, no, I don't believe in God. And he goes, well, do you believe in love? And I go, yeah. And he goes, well, God is love. So you believe in God. And I went, <laughs> what gymnastics you just pulled to like, I was like, that's, and then I went, dad, do you see what you did? And then he does this move where he grabs a stranger in the restaurant next to us and goes, here, my son just said he doesn't even love God. And they go, mm, bad son. He goes, see, she agrees. And they go, hey, you just made that woman feel very awkward. And she wasn't going to pull out her religious views in front of you because you just grabbed her. Greg, like, Greg when wow. you left, when you left, you should have like got, gotten to the door, opened it up, and then turned around and been like, dad, I got you. And then you just walk out. <laughs> yeah. It's and it's another thing that I I what I get mad about is as like being in New York and being around a lot of liberals and I am a liberal person for the most part. Um, them hating Trump supporters makes me so mad because they go, well, we don't agree with what they do and their 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 tenants are racist and sexist and all this. And I go, I'm an atheist. I've had to deal with religious people my entire life, and you learn to love them. Right. And it's like, no, well, well, God is different. I go, God is no different. Okay. He has been doing sexism and racism and all of that shit and like wars. Well, what do you have? So you passed a few bad laws. Yeah. The Crusades. Okay. So if I can deal with people who follow what the Crusades did, you can love your uncle on Thanksgiving. Too soon. I think part of the fact that that more uh, gay being gay is more widely accepted too goes into like no that's my brother you're talking about or that's my right. you know that's my cousin and they're a great person and and so you put it on that personal level and uh, kind of dive underneath the label and see the actual human being there like that that is that is how um, that's how we get through to people who aren't like us is right. put it on their le like the human level so just do the math. Who is gay hurting? No one. No one at all. Where, where I'm being vulnerable and the thing I don't fully understand yet is a lot of this like um, uh, gender fl fluidity. I don't know if it's fluidity. I don't know the right words in a lot of this, so I apologize. But it's like people who don't identify as he or she. And one, I don't know anyone yet who does this. So I haven't been able to sit and talk to someone yet. And I've done a bunch of reading, reading on it. I'm still not there because with gay, you're not asking anyone to change anything. But with this stuff, it's like, you're asking me to change the way I talk and um, which isn't like, a, it's not a big deal, but it, you are, at, you know, like you're trying to 
break a system that we already have in place that, and I do think a lot of systems need to be broken. So this is where I get to that of like, all right, I don't know how I feel about this yet because we're creating a third option when I don't even believe in gender because they say like sexuality. So there's, there's gender and there's sex. Uh, and I, stop me if you know more than me about this stuff, but like sex is, is the genetics, how you're born. That's, that's one thing. So gender is developed by society. This is what gender rules are. Men do more of this. Women do more of that. And so people say, well, I don't identify as either. So I'm a new thing. And I go, yeah, but no one identifies as either. I don't identify as a child and everything I do is collecting action figures, like comic books and toys and all this. And it's like, so I'm still having a hard time like finding my ground on this. And also if I call you, now with trans is different, right? So if, like, if you are trans and you identify as a woman, great. I don't even care if you have the surgery or you don't. I will call you what you choose. Um, it's fine. But the idea of like, you have to call me neither is like, I got to do this whole other thing which I don't know if I subscribe to yet, and you're forcing me to subscribe to this new thing. I don't know if this makes sense, but it's 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 still shaky ground for me to like fully understand and fully be like not on board with, but like I I am worried that whenever you're dealing in categories that are man-made, that now we're like, well, these are man-made categories. So like you, you know. So it's not, you weren't born that way. Whereas gay is you're born this way. You're not born this way. And I don't think you should, you cannot be born that way. You can choose to be gay and I'm a thousand percent okay with that. But this idea of someone is choosing to not be part of the system, which is man-made anyway, which is selection of gender. Um, and is that something I'm into? Which is like, I'm not that into it because I don't like these systems either. But I I play by some of these rules already. But if someone came up to me and they were like, I don't identify as a male or a female, uh, you have to call me they, I'm going to tell them straight up, I will do the best I can, but please don't be upset if I fuck this up. That's yeah. and, and I used to live with a guy named Mad Dog and he decided not to go by Mad Dog anymore. And uh, Yep, I know and, James. Yeah, and so I was, so, and James, I love James, but I would still call him Mad Dog and he was okay. He was like, yeah, okay, you fuck it up, but please try to call me James. And I would go, yeah. So if that was hard for me, uh, the tra- the the gender thing is is a little tricky, but back into the reality is in my life currently I'm yet to even meet someone. Uh, or just could be randomly that that actually this was a I, that I have to have this conversation with. So, you know, I'm still figuring this out. Is what I'm saying. So, by figuring it out, it's figuring it out for myself. I'm not saying I'm figuring out whether it's right or wrong. I'm saying I'm figuring out where I stand on all of. I don't know. I, I just figuring it out. For myself, if that makes sense, we all are. I mean, that's that's the thing is is you know if when we talk in absolutes, uh, that costs us the ability, uh, the, even the option to learn more. It's like no, this is the way it is, and that's it. And it's like yo, there no, <laughs> okay. I mean, that's where you're gonna live now, but you know, you have no other options now. You've you've limited yourself. And that's, you know, uh, well, the, the, you know, it's interesting because I actually did uh, just someone recently from the comedy community here in Cleveland came out. Uh, as uh, as what we're talking about, basically, like where where not only do, do they want to be referred to as they them, but uh, they want to be they changed their name too to a very unconventional name, and that I found more difficult because it just seemed silly to me. And like I don't mean it's silly; I just mean I get, it sounds. Yeah. It makes it almost makes you want to laugh when you say it because it's such a weird name, and that's what I'm having difficulty with, not just accepting their sexuality. Cause that, that is easily accepted. 
that is not the problem. It's just the, the literal language, getting accustomed to the language. Yeah. And it's a tricky, I mean, it's a very hard thing is the they, them thing is you're breaking how I, you're breaking my mind in a way that I have to now go back and learn a thing that is like, I know that just seems lazy, but it's like, well, I got to relearn how to talk or else I've offended you. And it's like, that's hard. I'm, they, I remember when I, f- I first started talking, I remember Z and Zay started coming out and I was like, well, I, I'm more on board with that than they and them because I will say I've, I've had people talking about a friend who came out who was they and them and they were like, oh, I was talking to them the other day and I was like, who? And they were like, Chris or whatever. And I was like, and who else? And they were like, no, just <laughs> them. And I'm like, this doesn't work. This them is multiple. We're all pretty sure that it's most of the time multiple. To that point, and they, I've been in this situation before, in uh, Connecticut, they opened up a place called G's Burger. G.S. Uh, burger, okay? And you they served two things. The G's Burger, which was a burger filled with cheese. And they also had cheeseburgers, which was a burger that had cheese on it. And I remember I, they, I was their, one of their first customers. <laughs> I walked in and I went, I'll have a cheeseburger. And they went a cheeseburger and I went, this doesn't work. We can't, you need to change cheeseburger and cheeseburger because there's no way. This is going to be confusing forever. Yeah, just um, call just call the cheeseburger the classic. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's and it's it's so the they them thing is something I'm like, tr- I'm I'm actually more okay with a silly name because my wife has a silly name. Her name is Tita, and everyone calls her Tina. And I go, yeah, I know, I got them silly ass wife. But uh, uh, yeah. So like, it's the they them thing, and and I just don't because it's a society construct. That's where I have the issue because it's not a thing you're necessarily because gender from what I'm reading, and I'd love to be corrected. Gender is a society construct. Sex is not. So, and gender is the thing that they, them lives in. It's they want to be referred to as their gender, not their sex. What's interesting is very human, con- human sex is where the, 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 the difference between sexes is also not binary. It's usually binary, but sometimes it isn't. And mm-hmm. it's also non-binary in different ways from what I, if I'm remembering correctly, because I did have there, I did watch an explanation of it on a very scientific level. Like, you know, in terms of like, how chromosomes work and how your brain chemistry works and all these other things, but like, um, or like, you know, your, your, um, external sex organs or whatever you want to call it, like all these different ways that you can be not one or the other. Mm -hmm. So it's like, that's what Ben Shapiro needs to have his fucking face shoved into. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's also like, I'm also not, it's like, it's like, that's funny. It's like, I'm not Ben Shapiro, but it, it also comes back to that rule of like, yeah, this is me having a, philosophical talk but on a real talk if i met someone who said mm-hmm. this i would treat them with so much love and try to make them feel comfortable because that's who i am as a fucking person so like yeah. that's that's the reality and and if mm-hmm. someone said like you don't acknowledge who i am as a uh, existing it's like no that's crazy there's just one part of you that i'm not sure how i f- how mentally it just isn't locking and sinking yet like in that world but like i love your jeans i love your jokes i love who you are i'll say whatever you want just don't hate me like i will do fun fact went to a coffee shop the other day guy looks at me he goes you got a mask on pussy i took my mask off because that's how much of a i'm now I'm, i have asthma i might die because i may have just gotten covid but i'm such a people fucking person that i'm willing to risk my life for covid it's like yeah i will do the best to make you feel comfortable but there is this weird thing too that I think my mind goes to, which is with the they, them, I wonder, I go, well, is this a thing that you just don't fully grasp we're all going through as well? And maybe I need to talk to you and be like, hey, you don't identify as that gender, but reality is, is no one really identifies 
as a gender constructually. I do a lot of things that women do. I'm, I was the first, I cried on a date. Um, I cried, the, the movie Click, I went on a date with a girl who saw the Adam Sandler. <laughs> I cried my eyes out and this girl called me, I hate to say, she called me an F-A-G-E. She was like, I, and we never went on a date again. It's like, there are a lot of feminine society things that no one sinks 100% with. So I do wonder, is like, is this a thing that you just don't sink with? yet and you maybe you just think that oh this is what i am and the reality is is no maybe you just need to understand that we're all going through that as well right i definitely don't agree with um not that i don't agree with but it's like the thing of like putting kids on medications because of a lot of this stuff is i'm not saying i do or don't agree with it i'm saying it's a tricky fucking thing to be through because in eighth grade i didn't know what the fuck i was you know what i mean like i thought i was gay for a very I thought I was gay for a very long time because I did all these things that were gay, but I like Barbara Streisand. I, you know, I was like, I was very into I was theater. not expecting that. <laughs> no, but it's like a lot of these things that were told to me were gay. I loved, but the reality is not till I had a penis put in my face uh, that I went, Oh, like I'm not also, I have jerked off in pornography to men with great abs and giant dicks fucking women and I sometimes it gets me so I'm not a hundred but you don't know how gay I'm not like I, I don't even know how like oh I'm yes I've been in, so it's like if I had to make that choice it's a very hard choice if you just if you so I guess what I'm saying is sorry if you had to have a surgery if you were gay I would definitely be like shit I should um I should fill this out because I've definitely had a lot of gay tendencies but you don't have to you can just you know so that's what those when those children are going through through that I go Hey, is this real or are you just having some of these tendencies that we all kind of go through? And I'm not saying gay or not, but I'm saying like gender understanding of who you are. And as a kid, you don't know that. So that's, I'm like, I'm not saying do or don't, but I'm saying we need to proceed with caution with this um, just to understand, just to understand what we're doing. Also, again, I'm a comedian, uh, had a semester of community college. I don't know, you know, my ass for my elbow, but comedians are good at questions not answers. It's just a rule I, I believe. Don't come to us for answers. Just come to us for good questions because we'll poke shit, but we're not smart enough to tell you exactly how it works. Right. This bit and what we've been talking about, the general theme seems to be the oversimplification uh, that that is part of our societal construct. And uh, I mean, that's why I think the bit resonates is because you poke at that you don't deliver an answer, but you you poke at it in a lot of different ways that it's like, no, it's more than just this one thing. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's such a valuable tool to use, um, especially as, as things get more and more complicated is because they will continue to get more and more complicated, especially yeah. as more and more people get connected. Now we're having all these new perspectives and these new voices in the conversation where it's like, to say that, oh, you're gay, that means this, or to say that, oh, you're homophobic, that means this, you equally, like, poke at both of those constructs in a, in a way that's very, like, yeah, I mean, layered. So- society, very- societal categories are stupid. Mm-hmm. No one will ever fit into societal categories. Even when you say they're gay, straight, this or that, like, you're white. That's even weird because I'm like, well, I'm Italian. Italians aren't white. And it's like, <laughs> well, then what's, it's like, you can break any societal kind of uh, category. And so that's where I get like, if we start making societal categories like hard-lined things, it's a, it's, a, it's a problem. Well, yeah, because some Italians are less white than others. Anthony DeVito, <laughs> my best friend from my town, that man looks like Jesus. He looks like a brown 
Europe, European. No, like he looks like he's from Pakistan. Like, and he is oh, same amount of Italian I am from the same fucking town. You cross the line. What is the thing that that makes you laugh the most about the idea of homophobia? What makes me laugh the most about homophobia mm-hmm. is that people are afraid of penises, and everyone's got. It's like you're afraid of a penis. You should be afraid of a gun. You should be afraid. Women of are less a, afraid of penises than you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and then women are weak. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that little girl is less afraid of a penis than you are. But it's this. It's it's that's going back to making yourself. It's people have bricks that they've laid in their building that is what they are that they haven't fully checked. So with a lot, what I like to do in comedy, which might sound pretentious, but it's like, if I could do this is just offer people fact checks on things they've always just believed. And I think a lot of kind of Seinfeld even does that with like, you know, with like what peas aren't peeing or whatever the fuck he's doing. But like, that's something I, I would like to do is like, Hey, what is something you hold dear to you? Um, that is fucking wild. And then you look at it and you go, oh, that's not that bad. That's not even, that's weird that I do that. You know, it's like, like action figure collecting to me. It's like you, people look at adults who collect action figures and go, that's weird. And you go, no, it brings me joy. Why? I identify as an Imperial probe droid. <laughs> <laughs> it's right yeah. there. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, but it's like the action figure thing is so fun to me. Cause it's like, it, it's just something that brings me, why do, why are adults, told to stop having an imagination stop playing as a comedian you need to be playing when oh, yeah. i set action figures up i'm thinking of stories when i think of stories it takes me somewhere else and i'm a i'm a i'm a, I'm a great writer because i've i've run i still have my imagination and you you're still making it better and so this idea of like get rid of like no nah, man whatever makes you happy do it as long as you're not hurting anyone else around you just do that shit yeah, that's well, play, play is the one thing that I think is the key of creativity is, is you have to play, be silly, or else Absolutely. you're not going to get anywhere. You're not. Playing yeah. allows me to write dialogue better because I'm doing dialogue runs with Spider-Man and Batman. Why are they together? <laughs> Why are they hanging out? Here's what they're saying to each other. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Dave, hit me up. What'd you say? Mm-hmm. No, I was just going to say, that going back to what you said about, uh, about you know, if you're an adult, you can't play with... You can't play with toys. You can't use your imagination. The irony of that is that this, this whole construct, this whole capitalism, democracy, like the value of the dollar, it's all imagined. It's all made up. So you're literally trying to condition me out of like what you've imagined is real already. That's, (laughs) that's, that's so funny to me. I no, I'm with you. We're all playing dog. We're all playing the world of life. Mm hmm. Yeah, so unrelated. Batman and Spider-Man can't come together. Unrelated, but I'm super self-conscious still of, you know, how I have my headphones on. And like, I was just like, yeah, women are weak. And then that's all my neighbors heard. Or I said, they're not afraid of touching dicks. <laughs> like, it's all out of context. They couldn't hear you laughing. Oh, uh, that's even better. <laughs> Dude, I forgot. I don't know where you can hear it, but one of my favorite Colin Quinn jokes, I'm going to murder it. But it's like, it's like when you're like, he's like talking, he's like talking about how like how you're talking to somebody and you're in a restaurant and they're like, so I said to him, fuck you, you rapist. And it's like all of a sudden just people are looking at him, yeah. pointing at you like, fuck you, you rapist. He's like, whoa, 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 dude, hold that story. I don't know the bit, but it's like, I've been in that situation so many times where like people are reenacting what they said to someone else. It just looks like they're saying it to me. It's like, right. oh, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. yeah. When I lived in New York, I used to take like 
one sentence that I heard out of context, like through a phone conversation, someone walking by me or someone on the train. And, and then I would like just free write about that. Like what else could be true about this person? Like what else right. is going on there? That's how you write good dialogue too, is you, or some people tell you to listen to uh, conversations so that you can kind of pick up on how real conversations happen to make mm-hmm. it more realistic. That is one of the main reasons I write in a coffee shop because <clears throat> free will will only allow me to come up with the thoughts that are already in my brain and or a nature and nurture. But if I'm in a coffee shop, something random, you have to introduce randomness into your life. So yeah. I can overhear someone say something crazy, which will then bounce my free will machine around or the pinball thing in my machine. So it's like, oh, now I'm going to a different direction because there was an outside stimulus that pushed me there. And it's like, I always try to be around people around uh, chaos as to uh, you know, mess with the pinball that's in my head. I, that's why I don't sit down to write unless I'm being introduced to stimuli around me where I call it raw materials, where you need those raw materials. I'm not good at just using my brain to come mm-hmm. up with things, or at least it's not as effective. And um, I think that's the going back to ADD too, where I think that people with ADD are good with creativity because they're taking disparate ideas and combining them very easily. That's what people with ADD do, or at least according to like a psychologist I read that wrote an article about ADD. And they're, that's why the people with ADD do have a creative tendency. Uh, since this has happened, I've been, uh, I'll just set my camera up and then I'll have like a couple bullet points and then I'll just talk and find, try to find ways to connect them all together. And uh, sometimes I'll, I'll like, a few days ago, I did it for 50 minutes and it felt like like 20 minutes. And eventually, like once I connect the first idea, the last idea, then I then I shut it down. I might get like one or two good jokes out of it or, or ideas for premises. But um, I've, I find that it's more effective to write that way rather than sitting down saying, all right, let's write some comedy. Like yeah. that doesn't work. What I, I just do the same move uh, is any kind of have an idea. I put it in, an, I, I just put the slight idea in a notes mm-hmm. thing. I don't try to sit and write it. And then I um, will walk around with those ideas. Uh, I have a notepad in my shower. I bought like this, uh, it's like a pencil that you can write in the shower because that's where a lot of my thoughts are. And then I walk with the ideas and after, and I'll just try to put, add notes to them. And then on Friday, I will sit for an hour and go, okay, time to think about these things for real. And I'll, I'll do the George, I think George Carlin method is I'll take one hit of weed, one tiny hit, which will get me a little, just a, not too high. If I get too high, this is swan. Just a little, yeah, a little daddy a tick, a little one, one hit. And then it allows me to get a little weird and then I'll <laughs> write everything down and then I'll go to a third pass, which is okay. Refine, edit, cut and shit like that. Right. Um, it helps you get into a different uh, frame of mind. So it's like essentially you're the same person, but it's a different perspective. Right. I think that a extra bit dopamine, a little extra dopamine also mm-hmm. helps improve your mood. And when your mood is improved, I think your brain just functions better. Yes. And Dude, the value of humor at work. Can I hit yeah. you with, this was one of the greatest pieces of advice I ever got in comedy in my life. Uh, I was talking to my therapist and I was like, I don't understand why I can't sit and write. And she was like, well, when do you write? I go, well, I write either when I come up with, she was, when do you come up with your best stuff? It's like, ah, when I'm talking to people, making them laugh or I'm on stage, comes out with that stuff or whatever. And she's like, but, but I'm like, as soon as I sit down at that computer, I can't come up with anything. And um, so she said to me, um, I'm sorry, and, and you should know this before, before what she had said to me is we talked about how I'm constantly being mean to myself. And she said, what you need to do is name that guy. Name the guy who's being mean to you. I named him Larry. So every mm-hmm. time uh, I go, you're not funny enough. You're not good. 
She says, hey, La-, say, talk to Larry. And I go, hey, Larry, I appreciate what you're trying to do. But I'm not going <laughs> to listen to you right now. And understand, and once it's kind of like meditation. The once you start realizing that's Larry talking, you can see him because Larry will whisper at you. He'll go, you're not good enough. Is she you're secretly not- sabotaging you into schizophrenia? <laughs> dude, <laughs> dude, where do you, I mean, I don't know. You might not get out of what this changed my life. So understanding that Larry is whispering to me allows me to then hear him and then notice, oh, Larry's in the room. Okay, Larry, can't talk to you right now, right? So then we get to the point of all of the jokes I wrote tend, tend to, all of the the best stuff I tend to have comes in conversation, jamming with other people uh, or on stage. And she said, why do you think that is? And I was like, I have no idea. And she goes, well, you're on stage. You have nothing but a crowd of people supporting you, cheering you on. That gives you confidence and lets you go. When you're sitting at your computer, you're sitting with one person, Larry, and he's sitting there going, you're not good enough. That's not funny. That's not funny. And you will get no work done. And once I kind of understood that, it allowed me to go, okay, listen for Larry and stop. Be happy with writing shit. Yeah. Write crap. Write, write like you have a bad idea. Just write it. Just write it and put it all down. And then go back and edit it or go back and do it. But it's like, be okay with a joke not being funny because Larry will try to cut you off and tell you it's not good before it gets anywhere. Mm-hmm. And I will tell you in the reality, every tweet that I've ever had that went well was one that I went, I probably shouldn't send this. And everyone that I'm like, this is hilarious, three likes. It's- oh, you put the Larry in hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, once I kind of got that note that I'm like, oh, you're you're just sitting with a guy who a very strict boss. It's like you're you're not going to get anything done. And he's would you? And she said to me, she goes, "If you worked with a guy who was that mean to you, would you keep working at that store?" And I was like, "I would quit." And she was like, "So stop being that mean to yourself." And I was mm-hmm. like, "Fuck, lady, you're right." But that was game changing for me to kind of just understand that. Got to keep your mood up because one thing I notice is if I'm in a good state of mind, I'm coming up with ideas like crazy, but I can be depressive too. It's not yes. severe, luckily, thank God. But like, sure. I just, uh, you know, I notice these patterns where if I'm like, yeah, um, this is awesome. I'm coming up with all kinds of stuff. So just got to like get yourself into that. And that's a little bit what the Adderall does. It gives you a little bit of a, it yeah. gives you a little bit of a meth push, which gives you a little bit of happiness, which gives you a little bit of like, it allows you to create, allows you to work, it allows you to pick things up. You're I mean, motivated. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's you need a little bit. You you need to be confident. And all these depressed comedians, like I never get anything. It's like, and you're not going to get anything if you keep hating yourself, if you keep cutting yourself down. It's like you people get. Everyone goes like, I like, you know, Chris Rock will get everything or not, or Kevin Hart will get everything because he believes he can. He goes for it. There's no Larry in there telling me he's going to fail. He's like, what are you talking about, Larry? The business is booming. But, you know, guys like us who aren't famous, uh, the shop's a little bare. bare. Mm-hmm. So we go, well, maybe this is why. Maybe I shouldn't try to sell these new crazy things. It's like, oh, man, stop listening to that fucking guy. You know, what's crazy is like, I give out advice to comedians, but I also the one thing I do more is build their confidence because I can see that that's what they need more than anything. A lot of them are very funny. They don't need my advice. They just need the the reassurance. Let me tell you a rule I believe about comedians. Uh, and this is 99% of comedians. Uh, if they're funny, it's like, if... And no, this is a hundred percent of comedians. If you think it's funny, it's funny. The Absolutely. problem is here, like even if it's a fart joke, even if it's a pedophile joke, the problem is showing people why it's funny. 
So if you had a thought, no matter the thought, and you think it's funny, it is funny. You just have to find a way to get people to see what you see. Now, that's the hard thing. Sometimes to see what you see, it's they had to live your life. So you like sometimes you can't show them it's funny because you can't make put them in your shoes. But yeah. that's everything you ever think is funny is funny. You thought it was funny. The so context is the is. hard part of comedy is getting that context. That's why the relatable stuff's easy. You, you got to take them in. You had to be there. That's the opposite. You know, right. you had to be there. No, you get them there. Take them yeah. there. Get yeah. them there. And do what you got to do to figure that out. If you think it's funny, it is funny. Will it work always? Yeah, no, it doesn't really matter. But do not question if it's funny. It is. Ask yourself, is it original? You know, because a lot of times, and it's, it's not original. It's like, well, why did you think it was funny if you heard a billion times? Maybe you got to show them why you thought that. You know, it's like, just, just don't question whether or not it's funny because the fact that you laughed at it, it is. Right. Right. That, ugh, I love that. That's... Maybe it's just a moment in time, too, that maybe it won't be funny tomorrow. But that moment of time, it was funny. So it's still funny. Right. Sorry. You got, it's just a matter of connection. You yeah. know, you, you connected those, those unlike ideas in that moment. It surprised yourself. So how do you, how do you communicate that and connect that with other people? Yeah. So how they get that same feeling. That. Yes. Yeah. 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 Comedy's a lot easier than people think. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of psychology. It's crazy. <laughs> it, is. it is. More psychology than it is. Well, it's equal parts. I feel like it is. To get it to bridge, to bridge it, not to, to create it, but to make it work. You have to have some understanding. Also, how many shitty comedians have you seen that just make you fucking laugh because they're confident or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, how many times, like as comedians in the beginning, you keep trying to write that super deep joke, that idea no one's ever come at, I'm out with when the reality is like, I don't know, man, just have a good time. People want that more than anything. They just want to have a good time. So it's like, yeah, share your art and be good on your art, but, don't worry about being like, it's got to be word perfect and I got to take out the song and dance because it's that's not real. It's like, no, dude, comedy is joyous communication. It's all it is. Yeah. Have joy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's figuring out the right amount of sugar around the pill so that people don't realize that they're taking the pill, but not yes. too much sugar that it's too sweet. <laughs> Some people just uh, prefer cheese around the pill. Right. I, it's funny you say cheese in the pill. I, I used to always say sh- uh, sneaking a shiv into jail. It's how much cake do you get around the shiv to bring to someone yeah. in prison? And you just got to keep putting shiv. You know, the shiv is talking about pedophilia. So you need to just surround that thing with cake so that people can eat it and then yeah. stab themselves in the belly. All right. I, we're running out of time. So, right. um, God, you've had so many, like, you brought so many good nuggets of, of information. I normally ask, uh, at the end, like, what's one piece of advice you would give a comic that wants to do a joke about homophobia or like find a way? And uh, like, don't. That's my act, baby. Yeah. No, yep, I'm just kidding. There it is. <laughs> no. um, yeah, I mean, I, I was. I hope. I hope you can use some of that. I don't know. I was did a lot of rambling and shit, but I, I thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Plugs, social media. Uh, what are you working on? Oh, right. Uh, the one thing I would plug is definitely check out my podcast, The Rad Dude Cast. I do it with Anthony DeVito and a guy Brendan Ayer. It's uh, I, I, I. I'm not. I'm not an arrogant person. I honestly think it's one of the funniest things I ever do. It's just three guys being uh, funny. The rule of the podcast is we just like, if any, whatever idea someone has, we have to do it. There is no saying no. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's just a lot of like zane. It's just like a very easy podcast to listen to because it's just funny. Um, um, I, you could follow me on Greg. Uh, I think it's like Greg Stone on everything. I would appreciate some Instagram followers because I'm trying to get to the amount of numbers where you can start putting YouTube videos in your uh in your thing. So that is kind of a goal I'm trying to push. Um, I do a Mandalorian recap where we just talk about star Wars. That's on YouTube. You can check that out. Um, uh, yeah, that's it. 
I guess. But thank you uh, for letting me. Do, I have to be better at plugs. I you know, every time someone says, "Do you want to do plugs?" I always say, "Please donate to molesteddogs.com. That's molested d a w g s. And I think it's, I'd rather do a joke <laughs> on something stupid than actually plug my actual things. But one of the my manager was like, "You need to start telling people about your stuff." And I'm like, "Yeah, but time to go to molested dogs d a w g s because they're my dogs and they've been molested. Some people, it's like that's so much funnier than me." To do that, but it's like, uh, yeah. So I'll, uh, sometimes people are petting, they're petting dogs too low. Okay, so yeah. we'll stop. Dogs. Com. Hey, the belly rub has it stops at the, where the skin starts. Yeah. So anyway, all right. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. Dude, thanks for jumping on. Uh, and remember that you know, even though it might be a societal construct, even though uh, it might be oversimplified, and even though you may want to cancel that person, take a step back and remember that you can laugh at that we've done about 50 episodes i think and this mm-hmm. is definitely top five for me for sure mm-hmm. Very wow good. that's really nice that's yeah. really nice it was all me that did it not you greg <laughs> yeah yeah just well, kidding no you're you're very funny and <laughs> I'm talking this was a very great conversation on top of that so it's good yeah special thanks to gold knock studio you can find golden ox studio for all your podcasting needs at goldenoxstudio.com uh, hit up Jeremy. He is fantastic to work with, professional. Uh, he makes podcasting easy. And uh, if, you're, if you've been kicking the tires on starting your own podcast, definitely give Golden Ox Studio a look. If you'd like to weigh in on today's topic, follow us on Twitter at You Can't Laugh Pod or like us on Facebook at You Can't Laugh at That and tell us how you did laugh at today's topic or how you didn't. This is all about the conversation is what I'm saying. All right. Bye.